Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. I hope you're all having a beautiful Friday morning. We are back to our regular broadcasts <laughs> after weeks of uh, ups and downs. But I think I think we're on, on track again, so this is good. I'm here with my two lovely ladies, as per usual, Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs and the Sharp Edge. What's happening, girls? Scrambling, as usual. <laughs> I, think, I think sometimes we should just like air our pre-recorded conversations because it's so funny. Right, uh, right. I'm always, I'm always so. coming off of a 60-hour research project and I'm brain dead. Like, and, and you guys always have some like good points and there's always some kind of craziness going on in Australia and good times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, well, first, I want to say last week was really good. I actually really enjoyed that. Um, I yeah. hope you guys did too. It was a bit of a switch up from what we normally do, and it was good. It was refreshing for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Let us know if you want us to keep doing things like that, because we've got plenty of friends out there that do the same thing that we do, uh, that we can get on, that we can talk to, um, some really you know, creative, brilliant people. So let us know if you'd like us to do that uh, as breaks every couple of weeks or something, because we would love to change it up. Can I vote? Because I vote yes, that we should do that. (laughs) I definitely vote yes, because it's it's less brain work for me. (laughs) Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, Oh, my goodness. It's just good when you can have a conversation with someone else that is in a different field or, you know, and you can... And you can shoot the shit and you can share ideas. And, you know, like I said, we, we, we all don't always uh, agree on things, but uh, this is good. This is healthy. Right. This is healthy as much as I love you guys, it's good to throw another person in the mix sometimes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the conversation. I, I don't like you guys. I don't like you guys at all. I'm just stuck now after 100 <laughs> episodes. So. Right. Yeah, I know. Just in the middle yeah. of it. Uh, today, uh, we're going to have a broad discussion we're not really going to touch on a lot of topics because like well uh, everyday topics on news articles anyway uh, because we do do that every week and this discussion I think is something that uh, we all should have and it's talking about the bigger problems that are going on in society at the moment I mean we know of a couple but there is certain large things that are affecting us and that are getting more prevalent uh, within our life and within our society um, a lot of them fall under the category of culture war, and that is something we're going to go into. Uh, we're also going to go into a little bit of the globalist system and what's going on in other parts of the world, especially China. Uh, big farmers play on certain things. And where are we heading as an overall picture? Uh, we did the other day, Edge and I, this, this video, which is uh, just between the two of us and sharing... Uh, kind of my perspective of what's well a more in-depth perspective of what's going on in Australia and more personal stories that I've heard from people around me some of them are devastating some of them are are not uh, cheerful stories but I, I think Australia is a good place to start when it comes to these bigger problems and when it comes to these issues that are leading us to the next generation of uh totalitarianism dystopia the great reset and the digital identity which i'm going to be talking about later on mm-hmm. it, yep. all, it all leads into this and uh i go into a little bit of depth of what's happening 
uh, around me locally, especially, you know, supermarkets or banks or getting food, uh, things like that. And how this country doesn't represent anything that I was born into or I remember even five years ago. It's come so far down the rabbit hole. Right. Really swiftly. It would just like, it it seems like, wow. I mean, just watching what's happening in Australia, you know, the fifth lockdown, half, over half the country's population uh, under this lockdown and the kind of freedoms that are being taken away, withered away. And um, it, it's just, it's hard to watch. It's hard to hear about uh, the personal stories of people losing their businesses, having to sell their homes to stay afloat, or even uh, personal stories of suicide and things like that. So we did talk about all of these things. And it's important because I do think that Australia in a way and other countries um, that we're watching right now um, are like a beta test for mm-hmm. what's going to be coming for America if we don't um, say enough now, because, um, you know, it just seems like, um, and, and I thought this, you know, I thought that, look, if they're going to be pushing this whole Delta thing, it's going to be coming to Australia sooner than other places, because you guys obviously have winter before we do, we're opposite mm-hmm. seasons. Right. So I'm, I, I knew I needed to watch Australia, what was coming for Australia to see what would be coming for us if the government here gets what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I think in a ways we can learn a lot about what's happening to you guys um, so that we prepare and resist it um, coming here. Yeah. Are, are is there much resistance there are people keeping their doors open or what's happening on that end um it, it's it's coming to the point where a lot of people have stopped caring um a lot of people have not but <coughs> sorry um but it's it, it's it's come to a point where well I'll just tell you a story of my dad anyway, completely law-abiding citizen uh, in, in every way, shape, or form. Not a person to fight the establishment, just kind of goes on with his life, his older dude. Um, he was uh, getting ready to go for a... Well, not ready. He was uh, already on the road with like three or four of his friends and were driving uh, close to the border. So it was about like 12 hours away when this lockdown hit. Now, when this lockdown hit, everyone's supposed to be, you know, pack up, go home, stay home. It's lockdown. Wow. Uh, this time I, I called, I called my father. I was like, you know, it's uh, it's uh, lockdown, this bullshit again. And I, last time he went on this trip, same thing happened. The same day he left. Uh. He had to drive 12 hours back. As soon as he got there, uh, back home into lockdown this time he just said no i don't care anymore stuff it yeah uh, and then hanged up on me which i thought was pretty funny because he didn't want to hear anymore <laughs> <laughs> and, um, um, and, go yeah. Dad. yeah so we went and fished for like four days and just stopped giving a shit and i talked to a few other people um there's a service station down the road for me i actually quite good friends with them and um there was a lady there that said, you know, her, her parents did the same thing. They hadn't even left yet, but they were just waiting for the alcohol and then they were going to go anyway. Like they just, they were, just, they were ready. They were gone. They just didn't care. So, there's, so now, is, is there more of like a police presence or are they being real asshats about this or? Um, it, it's hard to tell on the mass police presence because I am a little bit out 
from central of Melbourne. I, yeah. I, I do know uh, Melbourne has been quite uh, busy and rowdy, especially with protesters and stuff as well, protesting these lockdowns. So there is that going on. Um, well, that's good. Yeah, but in, in, in my neck of the woods, I mean, there's security guards and stuff like that, and you do see definitely an increased police presence, but I haven't um, come in contact. So. Are businesses staying open and defying this? Some. That's some, good. some have found ways around it. I mean, uh, there's like a tobacco station shop that has like left a card outside their door. Uh, <laughs> so they're still inside, right? But they have a card that has their number <laughs> on it. And you call them and you order what you want. And then you come back and quickly pick it up from the window. So like they're finding ways to stay open. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm friends with those guys too. They're actually pretty funny. Uh, but they're finding ways around it because right. a tobacco station is not uh, an essential business. But right. still, it, it's only a small shop. It's only run by you know a, a husband and wife. Um, so yeah, so they found that way to kind of get around it to try to scoot the fines. Uh, so there is there, there there is people trying to adapt. Uh, unfortunately, there is some industries that just can't adapt. Right. Uh, my friend that owns a gym once again adapted. He's he put in procedures in place when the first lockdown happened, so it kind of made it easier on him just to transfer back because he's already got that foundation in place, which is virtual mm. uh, classes. Still, he loses a few people from that, but right. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I did. I think we need to stop doing the whole virtual world because they want to get us ingrained in doing the virtual wor world in the future. Yeah, but you know he's he has to support his family. You know, it's not like it's 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 if he can't if he still can't get customers, even if it's not uh, right. virtual, then he loses thousands and thousands of dollars. How's he going to pay his rent? He had right, to, he right. had to find a way. Yeah, like, sometimes we have to work their system against them. And um, and I mean I mean that, that that's something we can. I mean I guess we can kind of get into it now while we move on to the cultural side of things. And like we were throwing out earlier with ideas and discussions and how do we combat this, um, before we go into it, you know, one, one of my, my things is infiltration is important as well. And I think infiltration, infiltration by them into no, infiltration by us into their institutions, right. uh, mm -hmm. such as well, I'm I'm a gamer on the side as well. Do you know what I mean? I watch a lot of streams. I watch a lot of these things, and they have such a huge impact, especially on the youth. Now, if you can get people like-minded like us into those uh, big positions, it's it it does help from the viewer base of what you're viewing or who you're viewing and how they come across with certain political issues or social issues, even though they might not speak out about it because that kind of can be a no-no, especially in the gaming world, uh, you can tell kind of what allegiances people lie. Right, right. It'd be good to have some uh, game developers who uh, did not go toe the line for the leftist agenda mm -hmm. in the same way that we see social media and 
mainstream media and academia doing it. Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely, I agree with you because um, we really do need to target the youth. Mm. I mean, because the problem is that the we've allowed the left to seize control of the narrative, you know, owning the media, social media, and academia, and um, they're all pushing just one-sided viewpoints of you know anti-americanism and systemic racism and intolerance and inequity all that uh, so half the country is getting indoctrinated with all this ideology um, which it's really all just rooted in marxism and then the other half who's not indoctrinated and sees how this is destroying the country well they're being silenced canceled demoralized demonized uh they're and and they're, the, the hatred against them is being legitimized by this administration who's really just going all out on labeling anyone who stands up against this Marxist agenda to be, to, to, as us being the radicals, we're the white nationalists, we're the terrorists, we're the radicals, right? It's just yeah. totally reversed. And uh, that's, you know, psychological warfare right there. But what's happening is there's this, suppression of free speech which stifles debate and it boosts these failed ideas like marxism to rise up and it doesn't allow the actual good ideas to rise to the top which would normally happen if you had like a free marketplace of ideas but i think the culture war is just manufactured it's clearly manufactured and manipulated by this suppression and repression of, of ideas and it's just causing a further and wider and stronger division on both sides mm -hmm. so it, so if it's manipulated if it's manufactured why who's doing it right because i mean you have to think about it from like this big picture perspective who would stand to gain for our country to be so divided so divisive and warring factions amongst ourselves. And um, that's why I gave you that quote speaker um, from Ab Abraham Lincoln, because it's as true then as it is now. Um, anyone who's trying to take us down, and, and this isn't to say um, it's all external. This is like people in our own government want to see America fail, but also there's external uh, forces that want to see America fail and um give rise to this new global power structure and um this quote from abe lincoln is um it's it gets to the heart of it you know if we if we can't we can't be destroyed from the outside um we're going to be destroyed from within um by you know destroying ourselves and um i think that's what i think what we see happening with this culture war it's it's manufactured in order to create so much um warring between ourselves that we're just we we, we crumble from within 100 percent. and i'll just like reserve my thoughts on that because what i'm going to talk about totally ties into that but we can wrap up these other things first um, so do you have anything to add to that speaker? Um, well, I think we have to separate the culture war in, we have to define it a bit more because there is uh, different subsections of this culture war, which is hurting us, whether it comes from 
uh, a culture war of political ideologies, uh, racial ideologies, gender ideologies, uh, and I. Someone's getting really bad feedback there. Sorry, I just got to mention. It's like a I fan. don't hear it. Definitely, hear it? it's definitely Corey's fan. Sorry about everyone. Really? <laughs> Is or that... Let me flip my mute on and off and see it because I can't hear it. Do you hear it, Edge? Nope, not on Weird. my end. It's all good. Um, where was I? Nah, see, I lost myself. Well, there's a there's different <laughs> subgroups of yeah, this culture um, war. It's not just one monolithic thing. There's all these. It, it's there's it's, nuances. There's not. different. Um. So, so as an example of how certain things have been ingrained. Once again, I'm part of a, a quite a large gaming community. Uh, and it's something I actually want to try to infiltrate myself and get into because I, I, I like that sort of stuff on, on my downtime. Uh, so the group that I'm part of, I talk to a lot of different people, a lot of different age groups from a lot of different countries. Um, and we were having a chat the other day and one of my friends messaged me and she messaged me about another person that was in the chat room and her message to me was, hey, do they go by they, them pronouns? Right? And my reply was that, yeah, I don't know. I don't really care, to be honest with you. I don't really use that shit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, and she was like, oh, okay, all right, whatever. I was like, yeah, I, I just don't use this, not my thing. All right? And we just carried on from that. But it, that was a normal conversation for her to have with, like, her peer group or her age group. Um, so I, I kind of found that interesting as well. Like, that's obviously put into your head from school as a normal general thing. Right. And, it's, yeah. and it gets to the point where it is normality for them to like, you know, mm -hmm. ask that before they're addressing someone in chat. I was like, I don't know. I just call them by their name. I don't care. Like, right. And it, it was a cordial discussion. Because like, they create this crap as a, as though it's trends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and, well, and this is a friend <laughs> of mine from California. So go take. But I love her to death. I think she's great. But it, 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 even though she, you know, clearly has been brought up in a different educational system well yeah all i mean this is manufactured by the same groups of people i'm just gonna yes. say that right now it's all manufactured by the same groups of people because you guys know what i do is i i blow open the operations on all these big agendas and every single time it's the same group of people and it goes back over a century and they've been in our institutions since the beginning of freaking time. They've created half of the institutions. So this is all part of their whole game plan between the Council on Foreign Relations, the World Economic Forum, and the UN. They're all tied in with all of them. And they all have these micro agendas that are working toward the same goal. And every single country is interconnected in this. And anything you're seeing on the war between this and that and all this shit going on is manufactured. It's all distraction. Absolutely. All hype. There's Absolutely. so much distraction going on now to create hopium distractions, to create fear distractions, to, right. <clears throat> to create the, the, the fear of loss. Look, the cyber attacks that just were announced today, today's Thursday, we record on Thursday. So the, which is, uh, I can't even pronounce the name. I forget what it's called now. It starts with an A, the software company that um, is tied in, of course, with AWS and with Microsoft and a whole bunch of companies. And so a bunch of websites are going down. This is being pushed by these people. 
Yep. All the cyber hacks that we've been seeing mm-hmm. in the past year. Manufactured. The food supply chain. The shortage of supplies. You walk into a Walgreens and you go down aisles and half of them are empty. Mm-hmm. This is, and I laugh. I literally laugh because this is intentional. This is, is not happening naturally or organically. This is all meant to induce the sense of lack and loss and fear and anxiety. And it's all being done so that they can carry out their agenda, which right. I'll get into later. Right. So they can take it. It's just about consolidation of power and money and control. And so look, look, see, see what happens when, when there's just, you know, all these businesses are allowed to just do their own thing. Well, then the cyber attacks happen. So, so why don't we just take control of everything? So then cyber attacks won't happen. Everybody will be safe. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, it's just a, it's a justification for their consolidation of power, control, and money. Right. And- they, they manufacture the problems. Mm-hmm. They come in as the alleged heroes and saviors, despite their wealth, which is, you know, 99% of the wealth in the world. They get our taxpayer dollars to fund this shit. They, are, they own the narrative. They, they own it all. They own the profits from the agenda that they are now serving. And they are the alleged experts of it. Every single time, every single agenda. And we see that trickling down with the information that they push. Uh, Look at the censorship on things that we can and cannot talk about. Um, That result in bans or people losing their accounts. And it's happening everywhere because they own big tech. And they own the media. There's certain things that we have to skip around here, which sucks and I hate it. And Edge and I had a bit of a fit the other day to each other how much we hate it and how much we would love to be more open on our YouTube channel, but we can't because every time we do, we get slapped down. That's really good why we have alternatives like BitChute, but it still would be nice to live in a free world where we can talk and speak our mind um, everywhere. Well, I ain't holding back. If YouTube Everywhere. cuts us, we're on about 10 other platforms. <laughs> there you go. At the end. Good. I'm glad you're on the same page, Corey, because I was I was just saying the same thing. I was like, I am so sick of dancing around. I just, you, you, oh, no, I can't anything worth talking about, we can't talk about. So <laughs> I'm not doing a dance. And, so. this, um, and this goes to another thing with them controlling information, which um, I did talk about, uh, Edge and I talked about on our Australia video as well. And it actually made international news. I saw IT report about it and a few other things started to report about it the other day is we've got our premiers now telling us with this uh, uh, COVID thing that's going around Australia at the moment that is ramping up once again on our fifth lockdown. uh, One of our premiers actually came out and said, uh, don't talk to each other, right? We we don't want you people talking to each other. It's uh, a good way. No, to- no. You, we're going to we're going to lock you down, but even if you go to the grocery store and you see your neighbor, you're not allowed to talk to them because, you know, heaven forbid you have a conversation and that person gives you information that's contradicting what we're telling you. Mm-hmm. So, don't even talk to your friends or neighbors in the grocery store. And this is all based on our our, our, we care about your health. We care about your health. So, so you can't talk to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and just a real clamp down that. on, on the narrative to control it. 
uh, and uh, like I said in, in in that video as well, I was talking to my personal trainer, really good friend of mine, went to school with him. Uh, me and him talked about 40 minutes on the phone the other day about all this shit that's happening. And he brought up a really good point. And he goes, you know, there is certain people you can talk to about this stuff, such as you, you know, such as the conversation that we're happening now, uh, because we're outside of the system in certain ways. Like we're in fields that, uh, you know, if we can say stuff, it doesn't really affect us. We're out of the loop here. And he was saying that, you know, you can't really talk like this openly to anyone that is in, in some sort of government position whether it be ambulance drivers or nurses or doctors or policemen, you can't have this conversation with them because they're so tied with the system, right? And it is very selfish in a way. But he, he goes, that's what I've noticed. And I, and I was like, you know what? You, you're kind of right, man. I've noticed this too. They're the ones that usually uh, spit the most venom back. The, the ones in the system need to uh, get a little bit of bravery here and stop speaking out, start speaking out because... You know what, everyone's, what kills me is uh, they're creating so much false fear that it's causing anxiety and depression in people. And people just take a step back and look at like, like Biden sending everyone to people's doors. I'm sorry. That's just not, maybe that's going to happen in a few isolated cities so that they can then get the media to swoop in and, and blow it up. Like it's this huge thing. It's an intimidation ploy. The majority of what these people do are intimidation fact, you know, the, to, to keep people suppressed and oppressed and they need to, um, people just, God, need, need to, to let go of the fear. They need to stop buying into all this and they need to just, I'm not saying that they're not doing some legit crazy stuff, um, obviously, because they, they do have plans, but to get out of the mindset of, of fear and stop taking everything they say or they say they're going to do at face value because much of it is just intimidation factor. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that we need to let go of the fear, not be afraid. We need to stand in courage, stand in truth. Um, above all, we need to remember that this is a spiritual battle more than anything. This this is a battle of good versus evil. I, I truly believe God is on our side. We have to connect with that, that spirituality and gain our strength, our courage, our confidence from that. And uh, knowing that God's not against us, he's for us. And this Marxist ideology, which I think really is where all of these other sub um, topics stem from, whether it's the race, um, you know, race, systemic racism, CRT, and uh, the transgender agenda, and women's, and, and just all, you could, you could subcategorize it a million different ways, but I really do think it, it really all kind of stems back to that. It really, in its essence, is um, it lacks a connection with spirituality, with God. And therefore, I believe it's doomed to fail. And we just really need to stand in that confidence and not have fear. Because if we buy into that fear, then we've already failed um, in this, uh, going back to the culture war, in this culture war. And um, I think that, so, so the question is, how, how do we um, win this culture war? How do we shift the, parad the paradigm? 
Well, maybe for, can- one, for one, <clears throat> there's a lot of topics, a lot of news that come out where people will exert all their energy and time for, for days on end um, going into battle of sheer negativity on both sides over something that's going to be out of the news the following week. It, it's such wasted energy. Um, I think that learning discernment and learning where to apply your energy are two key things because this is a psychological battle just as much as it is spiritual. And, um, and, and feeding into it is just bringing more attention to it and it's elevating it and it's causing it to become reality when in fact half this shit's illusion. Right. I think a lot of it is distraction designed, again, to keep us warring with ourselves. So we're not paying attention to external powers who want to see us fail and crumble. We're not paying attention to how we're getting robbed blind. In the meantime, um, a lot of things happening behind the scenes where we're so uh, distracted, paying attention to warring against each other. And a lot of times, like you said, you know, these little battles that we're, we're facing, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to win over someone who's completely, totally brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Um, so sitting there, you know, spending half your day battling with somebody over, you know, a, a, over a, something a, Pelosi said, or something Kamala said, or, I mean, yeah, it, it just, to me, not trying to judge people here. It's just, to me, it's, it's a big waste of time some things obviously are important to point out when we're getting into legit like bills and stuff you know um that we need to speak out against but i just i just i don't know yeah i I see i see a lot of people in angst and anger and caught in that loop yeah we we can't win this through anger and i'm not saying anger is not an essential part you know, or an essential emotion to have here. Cause everyone, you know, Hey, ang- anger can fuel things into a good direction too, if you allow it to. Um, right. but it's just, ah, So do you think because the country is so divided and it seems like there's, you know, not extremes, but like that there's just huge division on one side or the other. Do you think there's many people still left in the mental and in the middle, um, like centrists who maybe lean a little left or a little right and they're watching this? I think there's a lot more people in the middle than people are aware of. And and that this whole division has become uh, amplified in people's thoughts more so than reality. In other words, I know people that are aware of some of the plans going on and the agendas and they know things aren't right and they could even tell you about some of it, but they still got vaccinated and they still maybe believe in certain other areas, you know? But you can talk to them. Either side can talk to them. I know people like that. Right. Um, and I yes. think that there, that the, the push for division has become so strong that everyone keeps reiterating how we're divided. So now you got millions of people saying we're divided. We're all divided. We're all divided. And lo and behold, we're divided because everyone made it so. Yeah. And I think that's who we need to communicate to is the people in the middle, the centrists who are maybe lean a little left, little right, whatever, but they're sober minded. They can listen to reason and facts. They can take new information 
and change their mind based on that new information instead of being so dogmatic and stuck. Um, if, you know, just like we're, we're, there's certain people you, you talk to and you're like, they, it doesn't matter how many new facts you present them, how much information you present them, they will not change their mind. And so, um, but I think that there, like you were saying, there are a lot of people um, that are willing to listen and take in new information and go, yeah, that that's important. That does change how I see things. And, uh, you know, Look, how- I don't, I don't consider myself to be on a side. Uh, I know everyone says it's important. You got to take sides. I just, you know what? I've never been one of those people to, to be in, to have this need to be in a click or a group or this or that, or take a side. Um, I have compassion towards human beings and everyone is getting through this the best way they can. And some are fools and some act like idiots and some are feel helpless and some are, you know, there's just so many different walks of life. And I'm not going to sit and judge someone because they fell prey to um, one aspect, but they didn't all these other things going on. You know, maybe they're, they're fighting the school board to protect their children, but at the same time, they're buying into some of this other stuff. This is a very complex divisive thing going on right now. And it's it's more, it's the the situation that we're going through at the moment is the most complex when it comes uh, to a division, ideological, mental uh, kind of separation than we've ever had before. And a lot of that has to do with technology and with the, uh, the ability of us to know exactly what's going on around the world in certain countries in certain places in certain governments. Uh, the internet has changed that perspective a lot. I mean, paradigms have always shifted it's always gone from right to left, left to right, center. It, these things have changed all throughout history. Uh, and I think that that things back. And I think that that duality is shifting as well. I mean, I think that people are starting to say, "Look, it's really not left and right anymore," um, yeah. because when you realize that half of the people that say they're on the right really aren't, it's really just more about the ones who are corrupt. Um, the ones who are in power to maintain and keep power and consolidate power. It's really, it's really the, the people versus the power. I think that's really Absolutely. kind of where the paradigm shift is happening. It's not like left versus right anymore. It's yeah, really but, but the even, powers that be versus the people. It, yeah, but even saying that, there is people that are working for the powers without them knowing. So it's not completely like that. I disagree right. with that a little bit, as in, like, there's a lot of people that are shilling for the establishment, that are shilling for these governments, uh, that don't even know that they are. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. And going back, Speaker, um, I think that you made an important point, um, because I think that, first of all, a culture war, when you're talking about a culture war, that's generational. That's not something that just, you know, a few years, Uh that's generational. And we really need to put as much focus as we possibly can on the youth, on the next generation, because they're 
inundated. They are inundated, like you were saying, yeah. with their media. Um, you know, I see what my kids um, are exposed to, like on commercial, because they watch YouTube a lot, and um, you, the, the commercials that they that they see, and the the very left leaning um, ideologies of, say, like the the people that, who host the channel and all all of that. It's really all just one sided. And um, so the kids are really just inundated constantly with this this ideology, and and I, I think that we really need to focus on ways to counter it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the the parents fight um, against CRT in schools, it, same kind of same sort of thing. Um, I think because- it, I think the sexualization and the gender identity crisis is um, one of the biggest things that uh, absolutely battled right I'm now. Um, that, I mean, the, the access to uh, certain pornographic materials and the different categories of sexualized materials these days and how easy it is to access and what platforms provide a space for that and with once again technology the making of certain uh, materials like that that you would have never seen before and it's all digitally thrown into your face and that in turn uh, rewires the brain it's like anything else and i don't know how we can at a college level too you know there's it's like i i i see it around where i live i see it in college students all of a sudden it's like uh an experimental phase that everyone's going through and they're telling you it's okay because we want to turn you into transhumanism eventually so go ahead and toy around with your gender and toy around with sex and toy around with you know different racist thoughts because you're all white privilege and 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 it's getting inside the heads of the of college students who are going oh maybe i should be more open to this or maybe i should experiment with this and and to where they're trying different things and they're dressing different ways and all this stuff and hey i am all for trying out new things and exploring but because we know this is a psychological (laughs) game what no nothing you've got i was just giving you shit Oh, <laughs> um, but because we know what's really going on here and that this is this is a psychological game to fragment them, you know, to, to break apart their identity and confuse the heck out of them so they can ultimately control them. It's uh, it's that's the hard part to witness. Right. I mean, if if you look at it on the micro level, you're like, what's the big deal, you know? But uh, I don't, but I could see why other people do that. But when you Mm -hmm. look at it on the macro level, the agenda behind it, it really is steering the next generation to um, get away from traditional values, to get away from family, to get away from God, to get away from all of these foundational things and to move towards. And it's not about LGBTQ. It's not about any of that. It's really is moving into um, the transhumanist movement. Um, Because once you accept, okay, you know, I identify as a male, I identify as a female, I don't Mm -hmm. identify as a a gender at all. Mm -hmm. I am genderless. I am not even human. I identify as a. I prefer to live in the virtual reality world they created for me. Yeah. Okay. So you see where this is going. So um, it's just op- It's a gateway to mm-hmm. opening towards 
the ultimate goal. And they and, thought pot was a gateway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah, when you take that, you know, 40,000 foot view, you see, you know, that's where it's ultimately leading them and they're, and they're getting them really young. And it's really yeah. hard because, you know, they do own the media, they do own social media, they do own academia. So how do we fight it? How do we get to, um, how do we help the kids um, to um, have the critical thinking, to be able to spot the brainwashing, to be able to resist it. Um, and I, my personal perspective on that is I don't know that we're going to be able to win that culture war with the kids on the social media, um, in, in social media. Um, it would be nice if, if we were able to do that, but it's just they dominate in that area. I think that no, really I you're you're going to have to do it through communities, through one-on-one, -on -one, through actually getting out face-to-face -face with people, with people in your own circles, your family. Well, and the parents. The parents need to talk to their children and explain all of this to them. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's, it's once again, I'm going back to my, my gaming community and the people that I play with there uh, and that I talk to there. And, those, and these people are some of my best friends. That's why I think it's such an important avenue uh, to well, it, it, it infiltrate in a way. And that's why I kind of want to go into that as well. Uh, I uh, play with parents. I play with younger kids. I play with different generations. You can tell the different generations while you're talking to them or when you're doing stuff, right? right? Uh, but I, I play with two uh, sets of parents. So um, that both play the same game. We play it together, husband and wives. And there is this couple that I play with that also play with their daughter now their daughter is 16 and all three of them sit in the same room that is their uh family time do you know what I mean like it's it's yeah. it's you know they're not really a sporting family they're a gaming family uh I talk to her all the time I know her parents her parents are amazing and you can tell that she is not she has been raised well, even in this social media uh, world and even in this gaming virtual world that that is happening around us. Uh, her parents are very careful uh, with her, with what they say and stuff. Well, she's 16, 17. She's not young. She's yeah, you know, becoming an adult pretty quickly. Uh, but you, I can tell even through interactions with her and stuff like that, that she has been raised well, even though she is part of this generation that is so uh so i i think that's healthy healthy too i think we need to do some illustrative children's books for the younger ones that explains in in simple terms what's trying to be uh what they're trying to do to the minds of children versus how they should you know keep their minds open and explore and understand the manipulation that's being done. Critical uh, thinking. Why not? Yeah. They, they all have their own set of books that they're forcing right. on children. That's right. <laughs> of course, Amazon children, wouldn't carry it. Amazon will cancel it. Children are sponges. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah. But, 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 but I also think it's important for parents to understand that this is especially the social media world, especially the digital world, is something that has happened. It, it, it is uh, part of reality now. 
uh, it is going to get bigger and that mm -hmm. they have to maybe adapt some of the things they're doing to maybe join their children in these worlds. And, and that's what I got from that uh, relationship uh, of my friends that I played this game with is they yeah. are part of, part of that world too and they are with their daughter in that world. And that mm -hmm. is extremely beneficial to not just her, but the whole family as a whole to yeah. learn these sort of things and not be totally oblivious uh, to this new uh, world that your kids are going to be a part of. They are a part of it. They're in it. Uh, it's a lot different than when we're at school now. Everyone's got an Instagram account. You know, be part of it with your children is definitely uh, another good way to... right. Them in that being world. involved i think that being um if you wanted to take it more generally because some parents um are like no i'm not letting my kids get involved with all of that because i see where this is going i see how evil um it is and how much it um yeah, but really does influence rebellion. right that's true that's true but i i, I think that um the bigger picture is um, parents just simply being involved in the day-to-day -day interactions that the kids are having. Mm -hmm. And that's so simple. Um, but especially now, because um, when you have those dinner table conversations, a lot of stuff comes up. You're like, whoa, right. wow, wow. <laughs> Let's talk about that, you know? Right. And, um, and so it gives that opportunity to, um, for the kids to have that critical thinking, like, whoa, okay, I, I didn't even really give it a second thought, but now that you're, uh, you know, that we're talking about it, now I kind of see, okay, um, right. the, the counter to whatever that was that was being presented to me, um, you know, giving them the opportunity to take a step back and have critical thinking skills, not mm -hmm. telling them how to think. Right. But simply saying, look at this. Who's telling you this? Why are they telling you this? Right. And what is not being told to you? What's right. the counter to this? And then, you know, form your own opinion instead of just accepting blindly everything that you're being fed. Right. So, so where is this all headed? So what I'm working on right now is a four-part report. I already published part one, which was basically just to give the lay of the land of where all the states are at and some of the countries are at with the vaccine ID passport, which I don't know that everyone understands. I know a lot of our followers will, um, that the degree to, to how important it is that people not comply and they fight against this. So, because it's leading to the digital identity and they're coming at it, that's just one avenue they're approaching it from. It is being approached from other avenues right now between indus different industries and corporations and banking. And so everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people are familiar with the great reset, you know, the 2030 agenda and everything. And what we hear all the time is everyone says, oh, they want us to go and do this digital identity or they want to chip us or it's the mark of the beast and we're going to end up being on the smart grid. They just, they want to 
track us and trace us and surveil us. And this is where it's going. And we know this because they say this, they don't hide this. They tell us exactly the fourth industrial revolution where it's all going. But I haven't seen anyone pick apart the operation and break down how they're going to do this, how they're already doing it, what they're rolling out, who the actual biggest players are and what micro agendas they're all working on or tasked with to make this one big cohesive shitstorm among all the countries because all the countries are involved in this. So what I've done is played like mad scientist the last couple of weeks. <laughs> no sleep. I got a whiteboard going. I got over 60 pages of research notes and links. I got papers spread out everywhere. And I've done more cross-referencing on this than I think I have on any of my other reports because there are hundreds of companies involved in carrying this out. But I needed to get to the root of who are the biggest ones. And we can all make the assumption on a handful of who those are, but there are some, there's one that actually kind of surprised me. I didn't see that coming. And so <clears throat> basically what I'm doing is on, on Monday, I'm going to release uh, part two, which is going to give sort of the uh, when, what, where, how does it go? Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of, because I feel like this is so big. This is, it so, is. it's not as simple as, oh, they want to do smart cities and they want us to eventually be transhuman. And okay, great. How the hell are they going to do this? You know, like, I want right. to know how. I want to know who's behind it. I want to know where they're at, where each agenda is at, and how they're going to roll this in together, because that requires a massive amount of coordination to pull this off. Right. And so what these vaccine ID passports are doing is utilizing the QR code where humans are going to become QR codes that are going to go on the blockchain. And so you've got all these, these you know, developers, software developers, hardware developers, all these developers that are working on different aspects of this. And then you've got the coordinators, the strategists, the, the certifiers, the the guidelines and standards, the government liaisons, those that are trying to create the regulations and the policies and get in with the, cause they already have their leaders, you know, inserted into multiple countries and leadership positions and high political positions. My God, we've got three BlackRock inside our White House right now. We've got people on council and foreign relations in there. So they've been working at this for decades and decades, and they are at different stages of it. And so I'm going to break down in part three. Part two basically just explains all of this and who's behind it and when and where and all that good stuff and how they're doing this. But part three is going to break down the individual players, the main key players, and what aspect of it they're actually working on. You know, are they a developer? Are they the ones with that are the certifiers? Are they the ones creating the guidelines and regulations? Like who's do who's playing what role? Because that's important to pay attention to in the future. What I'm trying to do is give people the information so they know exactly what to look for. They know what's coming when, and they can make better decisions in their life. And and 
you know, choices and how they want to maneuver or combat this. And then in uh, part four, I'm going to get into the QR code and the blockchain. And I mean, I've got so much evidence. I've read so many white papers. I I've probably read like 600 pages in wow. the past week alone. That's why we um, haven't talked to you. I know. I've been totally MIA from everything. Um, I'm going to tell you something funny, though. Uh, so we have QR codes everywhere, like everywhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. Every store now, right? Um, and my dad asked me to help him with his phone the other day because he had to send some pictures. So I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. And I was looking through his photos, and he's got pictures of all the QR codes, right? He doesn't know how to do the QR codes, so he's just been taking pictures of them and thinking mm -hmm. that's what you do, which is really, really funny because that's not what you do. And so he hasn't registered of himself being anywhere, but he's done it accidentally. And I was like, yeah, dad, against the system, doesn't even know it. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got hundreds of pictures of his QR codes from wherever he's gone. Like, yeah, hasn't funny. he hasn't scanned any of them. I think it's and see, right. <laughs> that's why it's like so important for people to make other people aware when they have a family member or a friend going, Oh, yeah, I'm gonna do this passport because I want to fly on this airline or I want to get into this venue. People need to say, Do you realize? Do you realize? And I'll have the evidence they can point to for them that this QR code is going to be your forever symbol that is going to link you to the tokens on the blockchain that is going to hold all of the data of everything on you in every single industry and what the banks have planned, holy hell. I'm gonna break all this down in part in part three and part four. Uh, right. But part two is really important to read to understand because the, the level to which they are building this is, is I mean, it's impressive, it's, messed up but it's impressive but what i will say is this after cross-referencing and analyzing all of this i can tell you that they're, they're gonna so they're gonna continue to roll out all the distractions right because this is their big play this is it this is how they get full control of everyone and get us hooked right into the smart grids the smart cities control our finances all the supply chains you name it totally surveilled this is their end game so they're gonna keep rolling out distractions um they're going to do the the cyber hacks because they're going to say we need a we need you know it needs to be more secure. Oh, the Bitcoin and everything is getting out of control. We need to create a U.S. digital currency. Like it's yep. so freaking obvious. It's so you know? they broadcast their next moves every right. time, and but, so you can learn to anticipate them. Right. And here's the thing, though, this shit is going to take years. So we're going to get, they're, they're doing the vaccine ID passports. Then you're going to start having industries coming in going, you know, you should get this digital identity. It'll be so much easier. They're already doing this in other countries. I'm going to have a bunch of examples of pilot programs already being rolled out everywhere. And they're going to say, well, this is going to be easy peasy. You can keep your education, your transcripts and everything on here. And then you can just go and you can just show it. And, but don't worry, you'll have full control and full privacy, yada, yada, yada. But we're going to put you on the blockchain. You're going to have full privacy. And then they're going to have the whole healthcare end. They're going to have the finance. They're going to have your shopping moves. They're going to have all of it. And they're going to have IPs on every single Wi-Fi product out there. So it's like a walking freaking hotspot everywhere you go.
Right. And so if you do something wrong, if you go somewhere after when, when there's a lockdown, if mm-hmm. you ever speak out, if you ever show any kind of conservative views, viewpoints on social media, your social right. credit score, everything's already like locked in on your digital ID. Right. So they well, can. Right. But see, that's where the banks are going to come in. And I covered that in the uh, financial takeover report. The banks are already building this out from the category standpoint to be able to allocate your spending into categories of whether it's home or it's fitness or health or mortgage or income. Income. Why? Because they're going to pull your income and they're going to send the taxes to the government for you because it's so convenient that you won't have to worry about filling out your own forms and figuring out your taxes anymore. The banks will be an arm of the government, the central banks, which is why I keep saying, get the hell out of the central banks, get into the smaller banks and the credit unions. In the end, are they going to come for them? Of course, but it gives you longevity while we're, we're all trying to figure this out and figure out the best ways to combat all of this. So when I say years, like I, I mean, I'm not an expert in this, but just what I'm looking at, because of how they have to create these regulations from country to country to country and make this all, you know, a cohesive unit of surveillance, um, which China's deeply embedded with us on, and many countries are, it's going, I I can't, I just can't see it getting to the, the full final point they would like it at for like five to 10 years. But that said, oh, right at 2030. Right. Oh, Corey, what a coincidence. Right. But it's going to be incremental where they're going to start trying to pull it in in these different areas. And so we have to, like, I believe you have to see the whole operation. You have to understand who's behind what part of it. So you know exactly what to combat, you know? And you can't wait till 2030 to start preparing. It's time to prepare now. And we can't just keep saying, oh, this is what their plan is. This is what they're going to do. Well, who and how and when? And how do we resist it? How do we resist it? How do we combat it? How do we overcome it? How do we live outside of it? Um, And I I do have one one idea that I think is good, but I have to like, after I finish parts three and four, I'm going to dive into it. um, That would actually include, you know, some legislators and whatnot. But yeah, there's so many different ways we have to come at this. But the important thing is don't get a QR code. Do not become part of the blockchain. Um, if, if any bank or anyone starts telling you, Hey, you know, if you just do this, we can get, get everything into this one convenient location. It'll be so much easier for you. Uh, 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 PayPal hardcore pushing this. Um, there's, there's so many players involved in this. Right. It's, it's probably easier to map out who's not involved. I know I need a mapping <laughs> software program yeah. too. And we probably should map out who's not involved because I would say that first of all, we need to not live in fear. Um, mm-hmm. That's what they want. They want us in fear and distraction. We need to ground ourselves in our spiritual, our connection with our spirituality, with our intuition mm-hmm. and um, gain our strength and our courage, our confidence and our endurance. Cause this is a long battle that we're going to be facing. Right. And secondly, we need to start working on those ne- networks of building out um, groups of people with all different 
kinds of um, trades, all the different kinds of trades that they do um, to be able to live outside of the, this system and resist this system. Um, because we do have time, but it's going to take time to build that kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, we see that already happening now with networks of doctors who are fighting all of the, you know, right. medical tyranny and with networks of lawyers who are battling legally and uh, people who are running for office from, you know, that um, have the, you know, MAGA perspective that, you know, that nationalist uh, perspective where they're, you know, fighting this globalist agenda and um, all of those things. So like just building this network of people, even from like farmers to small business owners to teachers, I mean, we need everything. We need everything yeah. um, involved to counter this. And uh, but I think it really starts with not living in fear, not buying into that and start working on ways that we can be self-sustaining outside of their system. Um, and I, I, I agree with you with, you know, using cash and supporting, you know, smaller banks and um, those kinds of ways of doing things. Uh, oh, yeah, I use I use freaking cash for everything. It's great. I yeah. mean, with the exception of like a few bills that there's just no avoiding it. You know, um, I, I use cash for everything. It's just, uh, it, you know, like I did. So there's the technology report I did. Um, I don't even know a month or two ago. It's got a lot of tips on in there on protecting yourself. There's, there's so many little, but very important things that people can do to protect themselves, make their lives a little easier. Um, I'm just yeah. thinking about in the near future, like if there's like another mandate or a lockdown or whatever, what am I going to do to kind of immunize myself from that? You know, like how can mm -hmm. I, uh, so, so that I don't feel any pressure by the government because I'm living outside of the system, whether it's working from home, homeschooling, homesteading, I mean, just different ways of not being tied to the system to where they could clamp down on that system and it puts pressure on you to comply. Yeah. You know? See, with the exception of banks. Banking, I've lived outside the system my whole life. So, um, so lockdowns weren't like a real big impact on me. I mean, aside from not getting to go into a restaurant with a friend and you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, and that's why I think a lot of this is psychological. It's mindset, it's perception, it's perspective. It's like you said, connecting with God and spirituality and, and realizing the things that are truly truly important and the things that you think you need, but maybe you don't need. And, um, you know, that's a big part of it too. So there's the combating, there's the building the systems, and then there's the, the psychological, the mental and the spiritual and the health well-being. My number it's one take, my number one take is personal power first. Uh, know mm -hmm. yourself, know your mind, fix that. Uh, all strength comes internally and then you can project that outwards but personal mm -hmm. power first. Otherwise you're not even going to have the feet to deal with any of this coming forward. Right. That was my right. ramble. <laughs> that was a good point. Good point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. really focusing internally in order to project outwardly what, uh, you know, you want, you know, for the rest of the world. And, you know, if you can go within and get peace and, and joy and love and all of those things that, you know, you want projected in the world, I think you're right. It has to start internally. Yeah, love's going to win this, not hate.
Exactly. So, exactly. We've got to work on that because they've, they've, they've brought out a lot of hate and people, a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's so, a battle. It, it's a battle worth fighting. This is, this is the stand that we have to take. We there is no other ways. one. This is it. And we look forward to your report next week, right? We'll cover yeah, that. we'll go more in depth into it. So that'll be great to, to hear about. So yeah, well, part part three. Well, let's see. So part two is going to roll out Monday. And like I said, that's kind of going to give the whole breakdown, but explanation, you know, so people have a fuller understanding of it instead of just hearing what's coming. And then in in part three, I'll roll out, I'll break down the players and the agendas and where they're at. And part four will be more like QR code, blockchain, digital currency, where that's head. Awesome. Great. Involved. Good stuff. All right. So definitely stay tuned for next week. And thanks everyone for sticking around um, for this one. And please be sure to share this podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining us here on Dig It with the speaker, myself, the Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. We are on iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Foxhole, GabTV, BitChute, Pill.net, and Odyssey. So share it. And we'll see you back next time right here on Dig It.